Zakawani. Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick it up against. Was it for Zakawani? None is possible. It's Steve. It's Steve. <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani. What's going on, everyone? Steve Zakawani here. This is Winging It with Zakawani coming to you from Sounders headquarters here at Pioneer Square. Um, getting ready for the game this weekend. Seattle traveling to Dallas and then a midweek game away to Montreal. Um, it's not the easiest stretch that the team's involved in right now, especially coming off the back of the game in Sporting Kansas City, which, you know, at times looked like it was a lost cause. And then at other times, look like, okay, they could really make it a game here. And then ultimately, um, the difference was Johnny Russell, as someone predicted in the scouting report. He was the guy to watch. Um, fantastic player. Fantastic player. You give that kind of player that time and space, they'll punish you. So we'll briefly, briefly, briefly um, look at the sport in Kansas City defeat, the ramifications of that, what that means. And then we'll spend a long time in a mailbag. We have not done much, ask Zach this um this season so we're gonna just dive right into your questions and just spend a lot of time answering your questions i did request them on twitter and we'll see what comes through and we'll just answer them and then we will preview fc dallas away remember no nico lodero and then montreal away know a lot of people because of the international break but we will begin unfortunately with the defeat um away to sport in kansas city and it's a you know, on paper, historically, personnel-wise, the coach-wise, you know, KC's always going to be a tough game. It's a good team. Historically, they have been. And, you know, they got guys who've been around. And that coach, you know, is one of, one of the premier coaches in MLS. You know, but if you ask a lot of people, he'd be near the top of the list. But this particular season... This current stretch, Casey is not that great right now. So I do think it was a bit of a missed opportunity for the Sounders, especially knowing now with this international break, um, the Montreal game will be very tough. Of course, Montreal will be missing some players as well, but they have the advantage of being at home. And then, you know, FC Dallas is always a tough place to go. So looking at how that game went, I think Seattle, if they could have that game back, they really, really would want to because it's a winnable game. When the Sounders decided to play in the second half, decided to attack, decided to start creating chances and look like something like the best version of themselves, they are sporting Kansas City a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I look at the goals Seattle gave up and yes, there's some quality there from Johnny Russell, but it seemed very avoidable. When the Sounders are locked in defensively, when the Sounders are focused, when the Sounders are, 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 are determined to stop the other team, I don't think they give up goals like that. And that goal happens, you know, way before it arrives at Johnny Russell's feet. It's the build-up beforehand. It's the giveaways. It's, it's, it's just sloppy. It didn't look as locked in and dialed in as I usually have come to expect from this team this season, especially. And absolutely towards the end of last season. And this historic run has been um, ongoing for the Sounders. But Sunday just for me felt like, you know, 
some points left on the table. I don't think even a draw. I think the Seattle could have gone there and really tried to win the game or won the game. And it's unfortunate that Seattle did not start to play until it was much, much, much too late. Much too late. So definitely feels like some points were left there. Um, it felt like a winnable game. Now, the positives, okay, Rui Diaz back on the score sheet. Uh, how many times we need to say it? He's an assassin in the box, a fox in the box. You know, you find him anywhere inside the 18-yard box. He's, he, he, he's looking to shoot. He's looking to shoot. You know, he, he cocks back that right foot, and that ball usually finds the back of the net. Um, it's a gift. It's a talent to, to be always so well-positioned and have the confidence always to be the guy that decides to step up and says, I'm going to put this in the back of the net. And a massive credit, of course, goes to Kelvin Leardam. I thought he was exceptional in the second half. I thought he was exceptional, Kelvin Leardam. Um, big fan of the guy. I think he's a future coach. I mean, he's openly said that. But you can see the way he plays. Tactically, he's very, very good. I mean, he's playing some of his best football since joining the Sounders um, just in this last little stretch. And he's obviously scoring goals this year. He's having assists. You know, he had an assist and a goal at the weekend. Thanks to the broadcast, we didn't see the goal in real time. Um, you know, they were on a replay, I think, but it was a really good header if you had a chance to see it. So there were positives, but I do feel points were left on the table. And especially if you look at LAFC, keeps winning. And the Galaxy seem to just always be picking up points at this point as well. So those are the teams around Seattle, Houston. We saw a few weeks back here at CenturyLink. They're the real deal this year. Now you go and face Dallas at home. You know, they're a much better team at home than they are away, have been. And it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. A winnable game is going to be tough. And then, as I said, the Montreal game, you're missing so much of your squad going up to Canada there. That's going to be a tough one as well. So points were definitely left on the table. But... All in all, it's been a really good start to the season. I'm just now we're kind of balancing between playing well sometimes, not playing well other times, and it's kind of which direction does it go? Does a team start picking up points and climb really far up the table in, in, with their points tally, or do we see more games where points are being left on the table and they keep, the team keeps dropping down? That's the big question mark at this point for the Sounders. Which way is it going to go? And I think the game against Dallas will at least tell me and go a long way towards telling me um, exactly what kind of form the team is in. But I will say, I do think the Gold Cup break comes at a decent time for the Sounders. Just get very, very healthy, get a bit of a rest, get a breather, and then try when you come back to recreate the start of the season you had in the first three, four games. When we come back, we'll be getting to your questions. We have not done that much this year, so this will be a great time, a great time to hear from you and just, let's just jump into it. Let's dive right in. So stay tuned. This is Winging It With Zach As soon as we're back, we'll jump right into the mailbag. Chad Marshall's performance today. Such a handsome guy. It was pretty hot today, so I'm going to have a couple of Coronas when I get home and probably watch some TV. Monte Papa's born. It's there! It's Chad Marshall! It's his first Seattle goal! Hooked in, Gonzalez lost to Travis! Oh my goodness! Marshall! Incredible! He actually took the delivery. Marshall makes it, and we have the opening goal! A big trip 
Wellstrup corner here. And that corner finds it on Chandler Fox. And it's hammered home by the big man, Chad Marshall. Dano delivery. The header. And we have the opening goal. Defender of the year candidate. He's not bad in front of goal either. Comes inside. Piazzi on his left foot. Closed down. And it's a wonderful challenge from Chad Marshall. It's key for LA. Over the top it goes. And off the line. Chad Marshall saving the day for the Sounders. Very proud that I've gotten to win two MLS Cups now, and both those MLS Cups were that club's first. Um, so I think that's something I always look back and, and be proud of to, to say you were part of the team that brought the first championship to, to that club. All right, what's up? Welcome back. Steve Zakawani here. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to the questions. I'm just reading them as we go. All right. So there's a question coming in here saying, am I the only one noticing a lack of free kick quality from the Sounders? It seems like we haven't had a lethal free kick specialist since Clint Dempsey left. Would a third DP, if we buy down Ariaga, be someone like a Giovinco or even shits who's great at free kicks? Um... I want to say there's a lack of quality on free. I think that's a bit strong to say lack of quality. Is there a bona fide specialist? No. I think Nico's very good at free kicks. I don't think he's... I wouldn't say he's a specialist with direct free kicks. Like when he puts the ball down, this has a very high chance of not only being on target, but maybe ending up in the back of the net or really giving the keeper some serious problems. I thought even shits was that. Um, there was a time where Freddie Montero was that when he was here. So maybe not that, but in terms of, you know, delivery from wide areas, I think it's okay. I think I don't think there's a serious lack of quality. Um, you can always take, you know, a David Beckham, a Giovinco, uh, Andrea Perlo, you know, on your team because, yeah, it, it's a massive advantage having someone who's a, what we call a dead ball specialist. I don't think Seattle has that right now, but I don't think there's a serious lack of quality. I wouldn't go as far as that. What I would say is um, it can get better, but it's maybe not as bad as what it would appear. That's what I would, that's what I would say right now. Um, another question coming in. It says, just as the Sounders in the past have had poor starts and then turned it around in the summer, is there a fear of the opposite happening toward the end of the season? Good question. Great question. I don't think there's a fear. I think there's an understanding that we couldn't sustain what we saw in the first three games. I repeat, there was a 20-minute stretch in the second game of the season against the Colorado Rapids here at CenturyLink Field where the team played the best football I have ever seen this franchise play. It was incredible. You go back and watch, I think it was the opening 20 minutes and the ball was moving, everyone was moving, was passing move football. It was, you know, recovering the ball up high as soon as it was lost. Colorado were trapped in their own defensive third. They couldn't get out. It was possession of the highest order, work rate, chances on goal, excitement, flair, creativity. It had everything and goals, absolutely everything that you could want your team to have. And then there were glimpses, more than glimpses, long stretches away to Chicago Fire. I did that game and I was in the booth watching and just blown away by how sharp that front four looks. Rui Diaz was phenomenal. Jordan Morris, incredible. Nico, amazing. Victor Rodriguez was being Victor Rodriguez. Brad Smith was getting involved, and they just looked so good. And they blew Chicago fire away. The scoreline ended up being closer than it actually was because it, there was only one team on, on, on the pitch in that game. 
Now, can that be sustained? No. But can you play to a high level throughout the year? Yeah, you can. We've seen teams, you know, Atlanta last year, New York Red Bulls last year. They're sustaining for a whole season. Seattle has the quality. Listen, I said at the start of the season, support shield has to be a priority. It can't become a club that just plays good for four weeks in the MLS Cup. You need to sustain the success to, to show how good you are, to keep, you know, drawing fans to, to the club because you, you, you do play between March and you know, September and October as well. You don't only play in November. So that's important. I don't think the team's going to tank in the second half of the year. I don't think we're going to see the team go one nine and two like at any stretch or anything like that i don't think we'll see that i do think it's hard to maintain the form in the first few games but i also think that this team has the players to definitely definitely have a sustained and realistic run at the support shield uh here's another question assuming that we agree that the lafc away game was our worst showing this year with the current roster, how would you line us up for a rematch uh, if there was no injuries? Well, unfortunately, we did have the rematch. It was a week later, thanks to the great, incredible MLS schedulers. Um, played LFC twice in seven days or six days, whatever it was. Um, and won't see them again unless it's in the playoffs. So if the two teams meet again, I would say, look, LFC has impressed me. I make no secrets about that. They are an incredible team. They they do all the things I like to see in a team. They move the ball well. They play for each other. They put the ball in the back of the net. They keep it out of, of their net. Um, when they lose it, they work to get it back. They, they they have a very clear identity. There's the high pressing that they do that works well, that really nullify the sounders away from home. But I will say in the game here at CenturyLink, you, know, you lose Christian Rodan for 60, 70 minutes and you manage to have a 1-1 draw against that team and even have the chance to win it in the last few seconds. You have to be happy with that. I think Seattle matches up well against LAFC. I think lessons were learned in that first game um, in... LA, because that wasn't good. So I think lessons were learned, absolutely. And what I I wouldn't ch- I would want to see Seattle be Seattle. I think that's what LAFC have showed me that you can be the same team home and away. You don't have to change your style. You play how you play. And I think Brian Schmetz is leaning towards that. Of course, there's the exceptions like Philadelphia away, where you know he's going in for a point. He plays five at the back. But for the most part, you know Chicago away, and I'm sure we'll see Dallas at this weekend. They're going to play as if they're playing at CenturyLink. Just play the same way you always play try to win the game try to attack try to be on the front foot um and yeah just do what it is you need to do so play that way against lafc it's just a shootout it's just who executes better on the day i think it's two fantastic teams but it's not only those two there's the western conference it's the real deal once again there's a a stat going around about you know how many how long it's been since the eastern conference team actually beat a western conference team so the balance of power is very firmly in the west right now Absolutely. Uh, Let's do a couple more. What's your personal view of the Open Cup as a competition? And do you agree with the club's stance towards it? Do you feel the rivalry is watered by, in quotations, randomly drawing the Timbers every year? Um, My personal view, listen, I don't know what the club's stance is towards it. I mean, I, you know, when I played, we tried to win it. We won it three times in a row, went to four finals. Uh, I think it was four finals in five or six years. Like it, it was serious. It's a chance to win a trophy in six games or five games, whatever it was. You have a chance to win a cup, put a medal around your neck. 
and celebrate with your fans. Like I always took that very seriously. And I don't think the club has, you know, gone away from that. I think it's difficult to win it every year. It's difficult to balance, you know, sustaining an MLS challenge and a Champions League challenge and an Open Cup challenge and this new senseless tournament that just got announced yesterday as well. You know, add this add another one. Um the League Cup or whatever, Cup of Leagues, I don't know what the name is. I can't keep up, but it's hard with the way our rosters are to sustain a challenge in four fronts. Look at Manchester City. They spend $100 on their squad and it's hard for them to sustain a challenge in four competitions, you know, at that level. Barcelona, it's it's, those big teams. And look, they spend a million times more than what MLS teams spend. Um, So it's very hard to sustain a high level in four competitions and keep everyone healthy and have the quality that when you rotate this guy, you put someone else in, the level stays the same. That's difficult to do. So I think teams are choosing, unfortunately, what to prioritize. And you have have some teams that do really badly in MLS and say, okay, we have five games to win a cup. Let's focus on the Open Cup. You know, we saw that with DC United a few years ago where they really went after the Open Cup. Um, I hate that Seattle's played Timbers for like, four or five times in the last six or seven years. You know, my first two years, we played them when they were USL team. Um, I've played for the Timbers against the Seattle Sounders um, in a game. So I, 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 I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it absolutely waters down the competition, the rivalry. If you know, we all knew what the draw was going to be before it was made. The One of the things that made... I grew up in London in England with the FA Cup, with the most historic cup competition anywhere. And the prestige around the FA Cup was you would have situations where a non-league team had earned the right to play against Manchester United. The draw was random completely. Anyone can play anyone. It's open to all teams in the country, you know, semi-pro teams, amateur teams, uh, the big dogs like, Man U, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham back then, Chelsea, and obviously now Man City, like whoever. And you could play them. So, and they could come to you. I've seen Man U go to a team that has 1,000 fans and they're all standing around eating their, you know, quarter pounded cheeseburgers or whatever, cheering their team, playing against Ryan Giggs and, you know, or Eric Cantona, whoever it was back then. So, if Man U knew who they're going to play, Every year, it's Man U, Man City, Man U, Arsenal, or whoever, one of their rivals. It waters down the rivalry. There's no fun in that. So it has to be seriously looked at. I don't know the exact details. You know, the travel apparently is an issue, but come on. You play in Seattle against the Timbers every single year. And then, you know, LA plays a local team from LA. You have Kansas playing Minnesota, I think it is, like all the time. So it has to be. Um, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely um, looked into, I would say. Uh, let's look at a couple more. Oh, here, here, here's a good one. Four best midfielders in Sounders history. Now, this question comes in because, you know, the club is doing the best 11 um, celebration after 10 years. We've had many great players here. And the fans are voting on who they think are the best 11 players. Not really the best 11 players, but the best three defenders, the best four midfielders, and the best three strikers and a goalkeeper. So it is 11 players, but it's positional-based. Um, look, everyone has their opinions on this. I like the thing, and I like to debate with people on Twitter and joke around. I honestly 
completely honest, I don't care. Like in terms of, you know, what I think football is a game of opinions. I'm sure I've had opinions in the past that people would say are wrong. I'm sure I've had opinions in the past that people would agree with. And it's the same for everyone, right? We're not going to agree on everything. Um, what I will say is hard for me to sit and say who's the four best midfielders because I can't compare Brad Evans and Mara Rosales, a centre mid and a winger. You have two different responsibilities. I'm not comparable to Osvaldo Alonso. Well, completely different players. You know, if you're trying to build a team, we're not mutually exclusive. You know, Alonso, Christian, Brad, Gonzo, Pineda, that's the comparison. I belong with Papa, Mauro Martinez, Alvaro, Rosales, Sana Niasi, Latou, no, Lundberg, whoever, wingers. So lumping midfielders in as one, like wingers and central guys, that makes it a bit tougher. But if you're choosing the best four, you have to go four across, then I guess you can make a choice. You know, For me, absolutely, there's two locks. It's Nico Lodero and Osvaldo Alonso. Um, I don't need to go on record again how I feel about Ozzy. Just listen to any of the last hundred episodes because um, you know he's my favorite player that I played with. Um, so he has to play. Nico, you know, changed this franchise. I think took it to another level. Um, week in week out, what he did when he first came and has continued to do, continue to do it. Um, and then up to you, you know, on the wings, you know, who's you know I like Mauro Rosales on my right wing. That's who I would probably take. But again, I played with Mauro, so I'm going to be more biased towards him because I played with him in a time when he was the assist king, you know, took all the set pieces and was our captain, and I enjoyed, you know. And then on the left, if I can't choose myself, then um, I love watching Marco Papa. I mean, who was more talented than him, you know? So I I, I don't know. I, I love playing with Mara Martinez. He wasn't here very long, but ask the guys who played with him, he was great. But with all that said, I'm definitely on the left. So... A hundred percent, nah, you know, but it's opinions. But yeah, that would be my four. Uh, my four, it would be, you know, taking myself out of it, it would be Ozzy, uh, Nico, Maro, and then Marco Papa. That'd be my four. Um, if I choose bias, then I put myself left wing. But the debates are great, I really think so. So, uh, thanks for the question. There's a ton of them here, obviously, can't get to all of them. Um, so. Oh. There's some good ones here, but keep them coming. We'll try and get to them more and more as the weeks go on. And stay right there. We'll come right back and just wrap up. For the drive, it's Evans! Here comes Alonso into the penalty area. Ozzy Alonso! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani. Welcome back, Seattle Sounders on the road away to FC Dallas this Saturday. What to look out for? Um, it's obvious. Number one is very obvious. We're all thinking it. Who replaces Nico? I don't know. One, he's irreplaceable. He is. Skill set wise, you're not going to find a number 10 that covers as much ground, always wants the ball. Seems like every third or fourth touch that 
the rave green have it's him um makes things happen moves the ball just a fantastic player fantastic player and i like the work rate aspect of it he works so hard to create space for himself to find the ball um you know there's some downsides to it of course but on the whole just uh, absolutely in, in incredible um and he's not replaceable what you can do is fill that space for 90 minutes with other skilled talented players he won't give you what nico gives you but he'll give you what they do there's two leading candidates here number one victor rodriguez now he is a number 10 he plays out on the left or the right he's much better on the left here because nico exists if nico didn't exist then victor would be the team's number 10 so this is a chance for him to play in his preferred position and it'll be different he's not going to run as much as nico he's not going to get as many touches as nico the game's not going to go through him as much as nico but he's very clean on the ball he combines well with other players he 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 will at least occupy the defensive mid for dallas and he can play that killer pass and when in the box he can finish my one critique of victor is he has to be more goal dangerous for as talented as he is you want to see him on the score sheet a lot more or at least testing the goalkeeper a lot more and looking to drive at the back for to create goal scoring opportunities rather than necessarily just keeping possession for as talented as he is and he's probably my um, favorite player to watch right now on the team that's i think something that in his game could be added and in the number 10 role he'll probably be closer to the goal more central and you could see that um, the guy i would play if gustav Svensson's healthy to come into defensive mid i'd play christian rodan at number 10 because you're away from home you're going to need to replace the work rate nico gives you in the middle i think victor's just fine out left and i think christian even though he's not you know the silky number 10 dribble three or four guys what he does give you is he, he does score. He does get around the goal and, you know, put the ball in the back of the net if and when required. His passing is very good. He's very, very strong. So he's going to hold the ball up for you and he's going to give you that work rate. So, you know, the Dallas defensively aren't going to be able to rest. And the best thing Christian gives, gives you from that position is his running off the ball, the timing of his runs. He can make that late run into the box to finish. Um, he can start deep. When the ball goes forward to Raul Ruiz Diaz and Raul Ruiz Diaz sets the ball to one of the midfielders, Christian's good at making that third run, making that run in behind and timing it just well enough that the back line cannot pick him up. So that, I think, is why I would play him in the number 10 role and he's still going to give you the work defensively. So that's where I would go, but it's a, it's a, a, it's a tough one. Number two. The team's formation. Now, formations, listen, I, I don't get too caught up in the 4 whatever it is. But there is an aspect of it when, when the coach says we're playing this formation, your mindset switches. You know? So when Brian Schmetzer says we're playing 4-2-3-1, the players react differently to we're playing 5-4-1. 5-4-1 means, okay, we're going to bunker in, we're going to keep it tight, try and get a point or maybe a three points on the counter. No problem. So we saw a way to Philly. One formation, five for one. And then we saw a return to the original at Sporting Kansas City. I think we will see the four two three one this weekend. But will it be the usual four two three one? Let's just go for it. Brad Smith overlap at every opportunity. Lay them, get in the box, makes things happen. All out attack when we have it. Everyone pitching defensively when we don't. Or will it be a more let Dallas have the ball. Let's stay tight. And if and when the opportunity is there, let's try to take it. So this formation is one thing, but I want to see more the style, the approach, the tactical approach. 
that Brian Schmetzer gives his team. I'm hoping it's going to be number one, which is let's just play. Let's just go for it. But I can also see a situation where it's a bit more cautious than when you're at home. So I'm intrigued. I think if Seattle goes for it, I think toe-to-toe, even without Nico Ladero, I fancy the Sounders against FC Dallas. Seattle's the better team, has the better players. For me, the better coaching, even though Dallas is very good. Um, but we'll see. We'll see with that approach because it can really affect how the players feel to approach the game. I think the personnel on the pitch with Rui Diaz, with Christian Rodon, Victor Rodriguez should be back, Brad Smith, those guys, I think those guys need to be given the green light to just go. They are the best when they're not thinking too much and just go. Take the shackles off, just let them run riot. That's what I would say. And number three, I think I put this guy every week, but I'm going to put him again, is Rui Diaz. And here's why. I think we have to understand what it is we're witnessing right now. You're watching a guy that pretty much goes on the pitch and is guaranteed a goal. Two chances, max. And one of them will be in the back of the net. If he misses, we're shocked. Good strikers, you know, score maybe one in every four or five good chances. This guy's scoring one every two. Sometimes one every one. And he becomes even more important in away games. Because the chances, for some reason, aren't as free-flowing or forthcoming as they are in home games. So you really, really need him in those situations where you get that one chance early on or that chance midway through the game when not much is happening. This is the guy you want on your side. This is the guy you want it to fall to. You pay the big bucks to the guys who put the ball in the back of the net because goals not only change games, goals win games. And he's a match winner. So we need him to be himself this weekend and look for him when that chance comes his way. Just watch his movement in the box. Just watch how he opens himself. It seems that the ball finds him, but it's actually him finding the ball, but he moved 10 seconds before the camera got there, so we don't see it. But he has a sense of knowing where the ball will end up, and it's a gift. And then that's, that's one half of the equation. The other half is when the ball does come to you, put in the back of the net. The guy in Atlanta does it really well as well, Martinez, but Raul is right up there with anyone we've seen in this league when it comes to that specific skill set. Seattle Sounders away to FC Dallas, which will be followed by a trip away to Montreal. We will hopefully be back in between those two games. Um, But again, Seattle Sounders at Dallas, I do feel confident in a win, even without Nico Lidero, because this is kind of the last big, big push before you lose so many internationals in a Montreal, it is what it is. We'll cover that when we get there. But this is kind of the last time you have the band together in this way before this big break. So you have to go for the three points, especially considering three points were left on the table away to sport in Kansas City last weekend. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back, as always, to recap, review, critique, praise, do all of that. I'm Steve Zakwani. This is Winging It with Zakwani. Seattle Sounders away to FC Dallas. Make sure you tune in this weekend, support the boys, and I'll be back next week, hopefully recapping a victory.